You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by David Peñota, uh, editor-in-chief over at the fourth period, as well as Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Talk uh, some happenings, some rumors around the NHL. Uh, but first... We'll go through our little, uh, well, we do this every once a month or so, GVP. We kind of mm-hmm. go through the Canadian teams and see how they're all doing. And overall, they've been, nobody's been playing too, too bad, really, uh, of the seven. Mm-hmm. Um, Oilers not as red hot as the last time no, we did this. No, no, no. The Oilers have uh, hit a little bit of skid here. They have uh, they dropped that last game in Los Angeles. Uh, they, they didn't look all that good against Anaheim. No. Uh, and they lose to Vegas as well. So, I don't know, maybe the Oilers are... Uh, Coming back down to earth a little bit. They were that 16 game. I know they're still a good team, and you can't take away from what McDavid uh, is willing to do here, but uh, still a team with some flaws. We'll go through it here. Well, first, we'll, we'll start here with number seven. Yeah. They're the worst team in the in the in in Canada right now, but they are maybe one of the hottest teams. They're 6 2 and 2 over their last 10, and uh, after a hilarious moment there on Saturday night, the <laughs> Ottawa Senators are, are feeling a little bit better about themselves. Obviously, uh, Ridley Gregg and his uh, slap shot into an empty net, uh, you know, five feet away from it, and Morgan Riley. Bold not, move out of Ridley Gregg. Very bold, bold move. move. Bold move. And uh, I'm sure the, the reaction from. Uh, Riley, obviously, uh, the NHL didn't take too kindly to that as they offered him an in-person hearing, which will be tomorrow in Do you think that gets six? Mm. Not to spend too much time on this? I think it's going to get five. I think think five. I think that's going to be the number he gets uh, for that because obviously there's no, like, effect to Greg. He's not, you know, injured after that and and whatnot. I I, I know. I would have been fine with Riley's reaction, you know, just... Fed him some body blows or tackled him or something like that. I don't know. Just when you start getting the stick. And I know he maybe was trying to go mm-hmm. from the shoulder and it slides up. Either way, uh, Riley will be uh, getting a uh, talking to from uh, the Department of Player Safety tomorrow in New York City. But the Senators, they're 44 points. They've kind of started to figure it out here. Uh, just to right the ship. They're obviously got themselves into a massive hole to begin the year. Yeah. Uh, they currently sit uh, 16 points back of the Detroit Red Wings for that final wild card spot in the East. 34 games left. That's like, obviously, you have, you have there's tons of points still available there, uh-huh. but you pretty much got to go on a... You, you'd win, have to go on a heater of all heaters to, to, win to make three up out that. of four. Like, you got to be playing six, two, and two hockey, The yeah. maybe even better uh, the rest of the and, way. And the East is not as big as a... Uh, you know, not not as big of a log jam as it comes to the wild card. Yeah, it, no, it, it's like, starting. And to, I don't think it's as powerful as it was last year. Either. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not as much of a log jam. I know that the Islanders are, are throwing their their name back in the mix of things mm-hmm. with the, the some Devils, decent hockey. Yeah, Apples the Devils are sort of been kicking around, a little but, bit better as well. And, mm-hmm. Penguins I, still on the outside looking in as well, but I, I'm not too sure. But about they're that below team. Buffalo. Yeah, and they're below Montreal, and like Montreal just you know got destroyed by the St. Louis Blues last night. Like it's it's. It's going to be tough, and like, but I mean, you're starting to see, I think, what Ottawa wants to do going forward. You've got guys like I know there's a lot of talk around Jacob Chikrin. Maybe I still think Ottawa is going to be a team to watch over the next couple of years here. Like, oh, they, they've I, for locked sure. up their their young pieces. I, I there a lot of what went on with Ottawa this season feels like it was just 
off the ice management like, yeah. and culture issues that that honestly like kind of poisoned this team. And, go, and, yeah. and I think that the the signing of a uh, Corpusalo hasn't worked out no. too too much for them. I I know that he hasn't been like the worst goalie in the league by any means, but he wasn't the guy that they initially hoped for when when they went and saw what he was doing with Los Angeles last season in in that postseason run. Right, like I, I thought, mm-hmm. I feel like he was pretty solid in that postseason. No, he's and very that's good. Why he went out and that's why LA got him. It, yeah, so I, I, I don't know what it is about this uh, uh, Ottawa team or what they're going to do at the deadline here when it comes to being uh, a seller. I feel like they're going to try and move a guy like like Tarasenko. I would think, but uh, we'll he's see. What the, their he's are. the one uh, UFA that uh, they they could possibly part ways with. Uh, or or Chickren's name has been floated yeah, around again. I'm but, interested what they're what they're going to do with him. You know, but. I think Chickren is a guy that they kind of see as well. Yeah, he's kind of still a young player, but he's yeah. also in that. He's older than Jake Sanderson. He's kind of more in that. Uh, like, well, how old is Thomas Shabbat? I mean, Shabbat can never seemingly stay healthy, but Shabbat is third twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chikrin's probably right around there as well. Um, he's twenty-five. So yeah, uh, yeah, and, and this is a team that has that will be all over Chris Tanev. Whether or not that they try and get him at the deadline uh, to try get him in there and re-sign him, but this is a guy that like they 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 coveted and that they're going to try get uh, on July first, but. Uh, and and uh, Jacques Martin is not long. He's just here yeah. to kind of just settle things down. And, and you kind of brought it up when we were talking off the air uh, on Saturday during the Rangos broadcast. Was mm-hmm. uh, do you think they're they're grooming uh, eventually for Alfredson. Dan, Daniel yeah. Alfredson to take over that role? And I think Elfie's senators through and through. I think I don't know if he wants to be the head coach there. But hey, like I, I, yeah, I'm sure you, Senator never fans know exactly would, would what he that. wants. But yeah, exactly. But like the fact that he's around the team again and and mm-hmm. uh, you know behind the bench yep. with these guys now, it, it feels like sooner or later, Alfredson being the competitive guy that he was when he when he was playing for the Ottawa Senators, and like you said, he bleeds Ottawa through and through. Mm-hmm. I, I think at a certain point, he's going to want to take on that challenge once again and just continue to be around the game. So the Ottawa Senators with uh, 44 points uh, currently sitting in, uh, uh, well, I guess uh, 15th spot in the Eastern Conference, just two points up on Columbus. Uh, So right now, yeah, they'd probably be a top five pick uh, come the lottery. So that's where kind of Ottawa's got to balance it. Yeah, they want to win with the young guys. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to kind of fall into that Buffalo mode of because I don't think Ottawa no, but can like, fall into Buffalo with, with those Buffalo comparisons in the rebuild or even Arizona. Like, yeah, they went out and like tanked and tried to get their franchise player in the draft and all that. Mm-hmm. But y- you have to supplement with better management moves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just say, "Oh, a rebuild doesn't work because we drafted this player and and we never ended up winning." It, it's a it's about the moves surrounding the the draft picks is what really caps off a rebuild. If you, if you want to put this in a flames perspective mm-hmm. a little bit they drafted matthew kachuk sixth overall coming out of the 15 16 season and then they were able to build a competitive team by making trades such as the Lindholm trade bringing mm-hmm. in hannafin as well going out and getting jacob markstrom that's that's how a rebuild is done it's about the moves you make after the draft pick but i don't know that's where i'm at with that yeah i, th- I expect better things out of ottawa uh, the rest of the way and heading into next year. Uh, number six, the Montreal Canadiens. They're sitting at uh, 50 points on the year, record of 21, 23, and 8, 4, 5, and 1 in their last 10. They lost two in a row, including the uh, tough one yesterday, the St. Louis Blues, 7 2. Tory Krug uh, with five assists in that one. Habs are kind of like that team that, yeah, they're here. They're, they're just mm-hmm. going about their way. It's just kind of. 
figuring what you have with these young guys. Nick Suzuki, obviously Slavkovsky's been playing a little bit better. Uh, I know they they lost Caden Gooley over the weekend as well. Uh, to uh, yeah, he went down. Uh, not sure they yeah, the Harvey Pennard's going on uh, IR as well. So they're they're feeling it right now with the injury bug. The Habs, I I don't have it in front of me, but it wouldn't be surprised me if they're like top one, two, or three in the league in in man games lost they, with they, injuries. Yeah, they they might be because they're. Uh... At a certain point, they were kind of kicking around the wild card spot in the uh, you know November ish month or something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, yeah, they definitely regressed a little bit due to some some injuries. They got uh, Kirby Doc on the IR as well as uh, Christian Dvorak. But uh, how, how did you feel about the Monahan trade in a perspective from from uh, a Montreal perspective? All in all, you basically turned Sean Monahan into two first round picks. Some tidy work out of mm-hmm. Montreal on that one. Yeah, uh, I think that's it's great work from Ken Hughes, Jeff Gordon, the management staff in Montreal as they try and and refill that cover. Like I don't think you would ask them, "Hey, we get two first round." Credit that's credit to Sean Monahan for True. putting himself into that position to be even worth a first round pick. Yeah, and, and we'll see. It's still uh, still some growing uh, to do in Winnipeg, but I mean that's shrewd work from from that team uh, getting a uh, first for for Sean Monahan, another first as well potentially in twenty twenty five. Yeah, this is a team that like, I don't know how far they are away from from getting back into the postseason. I think they have to still figure out what they're doing in net yeah well well, they locked up Montebo right yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know what they're going to do with uh Jake Allen come the deadline here does yeah. he still feel like a, a deadline piece that they would potentially like to move but I, I know that the goaltending market is so odd in the NHL right it, like with with the way that Vegas won a Stanley Cup it feels like what what, what Maddie was saying that they feel like they can just win a Stanley Cup without necessarily shoring up your goaltending spot and I, and I don't think that's necessarily true it, it, it's just become a weird thing where goaltenders aren't necessarily moved all the time yeah i I don't know how much of a market like jake allen was the the goalie of note yesterday in Mm -hmm. that uh 7-2 loss uh to the blues i I, i'm not not saying is a huge upgrade no i I think like new jersey if they can't go all in if i'm a team like carolina or something i'm I'm trying to go get mark andre fleury oh yeah something like that out of minnesota that seems like a guy that you know he can he can he has the postseason experience he can play he's played you know, a lot of hockey. I think you, he can't be the guy, but he can be the guy that can help you. We'll sure. see what happens with Carolina, obviously, with Antti Ranta going down. New Jersey still trying to figure out what they have in net. Uh, L.A., are they? I mean, the Cam Talbot is is all right. David Riddick has been the guy of late, it seems, there in Los Angeles. Isn't the Habs blast from the past. Oh, my David goodness. Riddick being the guy. Yeah. Uh, number six, the Montreal Canadiens. Number five, uh, they had a tough weekend. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. I put them at number five. Keith Watch is real, I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. Just because, like, like Trilliving coming in here, I, I think he wants at some point establish who his guy is behind the bench. Mm-hmm. And Keith, I know that he got the uh, the contract from from uh, Trilliving here, but he he's he's a Dubas guy, mm-hmm. right? So at a certain point, Trilliving has already like put his stamp all over this uh, lineup here with some contracts that haven't been aging very well for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And at a certain point, I think he's gonna do the same thing with the coaching department here and try and put his stamp and really bring in a guy that he he thinks can turn this thing around for Toronto because they're they're going to be falling on desperate times here if they're continuing to struggle because at a certain point Austin Matthews is going to want a new contract and some of the like they're they're, they're so top heavy right mm-hmm. like, well I, I, it's not even like they don't even really worry on on Matthews it's more like uh you still got four or five years before you can you really have to worry about that but it's like Tavares like what's his number going to be like because you're Probably not going to let him go. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to bring him back at some sort of number, but that's that's down the line. Like for right now, 
I don't think this team is going to be making... I don't think they're in the business of moving that first-round pick. If anything, they'll be moving a, a fringe roster player to bring in something. Yeah. That, that maybe has, like, I don't know if, if Nick Robertson is a guy that they want to move. Uh, there's still a young guy growing that, you know, like, do we really need this guy? Do we have kind of those like, They're so already? desperate that, like, I, I don't think maybe necessarily they're going to want to move this player by any means, but... Uh... If they don't want to move their prospects, they yeah, don't, don't want to bring up Matthew Nowen. Nice. That's a guy that's kind of creeping into it as well. I could throw him in the Nick Robertson in bin in as well, because if you're not going to move Frazier Mitten, if you're not wanting to move on from Easton Cowan, um, then what else are you going to do? Yeah. So like, those are the players. I like, how many like those teams value? Like just, does, does a nice, just like a straight up nice for Tana work. Would that appease somebody? I'm I'm not sure if that would appease the Flames, but uh, like because like, that's like these are the type of moves that Toronto's going to have to make. But even then, I I just think this is the team that you, even you add a Chris Tanev, I don't think you're going to be that much better. You're than not going to be that much right better now. given the fact that you've just got no goaltending as you, well. Yeah, right? exactly. So. This is a team that Joe Wall is still weeks away from from coming back. And again, this is Joe Wall's an improvement. I just don't think he's the, the savior. And this is the guy that like, means, Toronto is who, banking who on down the future. Cause they've yeah. been, they haven't really developed a goalie in at least two decades. Right. And this is going to be a guy that they kind of see like, hey, this could be the guy. I know they got Hill to be as well, but Joe Wall, they have a ton of confidence in and he, he showed pretty well when he is healthy. Uh, number four, uh, the Calgary flames, man. Whew. Uh, ever since, you know, getting rid of Elias Lindholm, uh, they've been playing really good. They've won four in a row. Are they spoiling us again just to break our hearts, or is this a team that, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter. Whatever happens the rest of the way, it's it's all gravy. They make the playoffs, great. They miss the playoffs, okay. I think they're in a fine position right now. Yeah, I think they're in an okay spot as well. It, it, it's The vibes are high right now. I'm just kind of being a little bit cautious with this Flames team because the discussion around them could be very different as early as next week mm-hmm. when when their their schedule toughens up a, a little bit. Here yeah, we're taking on the Jets, the Bruins, and then another matchup against the Oilers that always plays uh, the Flames pretty tight. So mm-hmm. it if, if they make the playoffs, sh- sure, it, it, it's good. To have a little bit of experience, that experience might stretch it's to a maximum of seven games. It could go a bit farther than that if they're able to pull off some massive upset here. But at, at a certain point, the Flames have to realize that the way this team is built right now isn't built to contend. And I'm not saying you need to go and get that franchise player in this draft, but this is the season where you need to start selling and thinking about really bottoming out to get that player in a couple of years from now. Mm-hmm. I'd, like We're talking about Markstrom being more of an off-season move just because of other obstacles that the team will have to get over. Like like salary retention seems to be like a, a big thing that might hinder uh, Craig Conroy just pressing pause on a whole Markstrom deal here. But at, at a certain point, when is Markstrom's stock going to peak? It's probably right now, right? Like, is it going to be worth the same? I think he's the season. highest right now, like because next offseason you're only got one more year. Yeah, you're not getting unless you're like, oh well, I want to, I want to sign an extension with this team. We don't know that. Like this, this is the highest of his value, I think, between now and the deadline. But like again, like you go listen to Thirty Two Thoughts, they go into it a little bit more that the Flames dressing room, if you trade Jacob Markstrom, it better be worth it. Yeah, and like. The thing is, I, I think Connery's kind of proven that his track record has been been okay right now with his with his trades, and he's he's not going to do anything that isn't 
what he I don't thinks think would be a win for the Calgary Flames. Yeah. It, it, it can't be. I'm not sure what 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 the, what the guys in the locker room necessarily mean by yeah. by worth it. Like, are they thinking you better bring in something that's going to get us in the back into like, well, just a more, firm position? It's for more the just playoffs, like I don't but. think they want to see like picks and prospects. I think it's going to be like they want something, like which is understandable from yeah. a player's perspective. I get that. But from the fans, if mm-hmm. it was just if it, if it wasn't picks and prospects, you would be pretty disappointed because you just go through goalie trades like. No goalie in recent memory of, of Jacob Markstrom's age and, and length. I don't think they've ever gotten a first round pick. It's hmm. been like you go to Ryan Miller when he was traded from Buffalo. I know this was this was well almost ten years ago now, right. and and things changed. But like Ryan Miller leaving Buffalo, I'm I don't know if he had one year left on his deal, but it, it was like uh, it was Markstrom like, it was right now. Pick, it was second round picks. It was yeah. Chris Stewart. It was it was some bodies. It wasn't like anything crazy that Buffalo got, but it was they got a player. That they liked, I guess, in Chris Stewart, and, and I think they got a second round pick and some other in a prospect as well. So it wasn't; it was a decent return at the time that Buffalo got from St. Louis. And as we're speaking about Markstrom trade right now, he's he's undoubtedly worth worth a first right now, correct? You would think. Yeah, in in a perfect world, the, the, again, this is how the league values goaltenders, right. though, right? Like, are they really worth a first unless they are, you know, a twenty five year old Carey Price or a, you know something mm-hmm. like that or. Or, you know, in the lines of uh, Connor Hellebuck, you know, stuff like that, Jake Ottinger, those type of guys. Like Jake Markstrom, he's probably having his best statistical year mm-hmm. despite having, you know, not the wins, not the goals. Again. Like, you can't look at that with his with the, with the roster in front of him because just the eye test, he passes everything. He's been yeah. the reason the Flames have themselves just three points out of wildcard spot right now, but it's going to be super fun to see what Craig Connery can do with Dustin this team. Wolf needs to get in games, too, and he at does a need point. to eventually you know get I mean? in here. Like, more consistent run. Like I, I wonder about tonight with Dustin Wolf. Like Marsham didn't skate yesterday. I know it was probably some maintenance and whatnot. I, I wonder if Dustin Wolf gets the start tonight uh, at MSG. But but, but he needs like, to be the starter within a couple of years here. Oh yeah. I think he's got to at least get ha- at least twenty five to thirty games next year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, so the Flames coming in at number four. Uh, number three, up the road, the Edmonton Oilers. A uh, little bit of adversity since winning 16 in a row. Uh, what do you think? Uh, we're going to talk with David Peñota here in a few minutes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what the Oilers can do. But where do you think the Oilers should be adding to this team? It's up front. Is it Jay Gensel? Is it Jordan Eberle? Like, what do you think the Oilers need to do? Because they're going to be moving that first. Oh, man. Like, it's been so weird because the narrative around what the really what the Oilers need has kind of shifted throughout this entire season here. When they're in the absolute dumps early on this season, they're always talking about, well, they need to go out and get a goaltender because maybe Stuart Skinner isn't going to turn into that guy. And we obviously know what happened with uh, with Campbell getting sent down and all that. But uh, right now, Stuart Skinner's been pretty good for for the Edmonton Oilers, and you know. I, I feel feels like this could be a team that might want to go get a, a Marc Andre Fleury or something like that, just to be, that a, be a, a sure, a, 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 just to shore up the back end, just in case you know something goes wrong with Skinner. Yeah, that could be a fit. Uh, I also think uh, bringing in Paul Coffey to manage this this blue line has has been a a big reason why mm-hmm. why they've found a bit more success here. I think that that blue line is still something where they're going to want to add there as well. But the biggest thing for the Edmonton Oilers feels like depth scoring. Mm-hmm. To me, and, and you you mentioned a guy like, like Jordan Eberle, or even if they wanted to go super all in and grab like, like Gensel. Jake Gensel, mm-hmm. I, I I think that would be the route that the Oilers would take. I that that's where I would be at on on Edmonton. And also, I think and you know what, Connor McDavid, he's playing his best defensive hockey of his career right now. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and that's that's something scary as he's rounding out his game and continuing to evolve. Kind of pie in the sky. I'll throw a name out there. Do the Oilers uh, call Phil Kessel? Or does anyone call Phil Kessel? I wonder. You know, we're, we're starting, you know, Zach Parisi signed last week. It feels like if a team wants some goals and, you know, just a couple, three months of action, you know, what? why the hell not? I think, I think Phil could I mean, the Oilers added in, in Corey Perry. Nine. Like, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, Vancouver should be a team that should be calling Phil Kessel for sure as well. Um, number two, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they snapped out of the cold streak uh, on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was a it was a it was a it was a key win. They needed yeah. that one to uh to to they're only three points back at Dallas now. The Colorado Avalanche have lost three in a row now in the central division. They're not playing all that great. Uh do you believe the Winnipeg Jets have enough firepower that they can go deep in the playoffs? Uh I... 151 goals for is the tied for the least amount among playoff teams in the Western Conference. I, I think they do. I I'm not sure if they're considered to be the best team in Canada here. I think Vancouver is pretty much oh, I taking that, that yeah, taking theirs. that as a run for their money, yeah. like taking that uh, that title here. But I, I I think this Jets team is built for the playoffs here. I I, I do like their uh, their uh, their their goaltending tandem with Halibut and uh, Laurent Brossois. So I I think Halibut's going to be coming into a, a playoff series and, and here as, that as, as rested be, as he's yeah, ever he's been. He's likely going to be playing the least amount of games heading into a postseason. I, I just hope that this team can can stay healthy is the biggest thing with them, I would I would say. Yeah, uh, this is a team that's, you know, they've had the injuries up front, and this is going to be kind of like the first really go of it with this forward group uh, as everybody's healthy and ready to go uh, defensively. Um, I think they're going to be all right. I think they should probably add one more piece to this team, whether it's up front on the blue line. Uh, but then again, they don't have their first round pick. This is a team that values their prospects maybe more than any team in the National Hockey League uh, just because of the they, they, they have trouble attracting free agents and, and getting players through trade. So they, they like having their guys in-house. So, yeah, I, I think this is a team that uh, this is what I like. They have only allowed 117 goals. Right. That is the least in the NHL and by a good chunk. Yeah, man, they're, they're, they're a team that's pretty... Uh... Pretty built from top to bottom here. They're they're a team that's going to be definitely contending out in that central division. I just don't know if they're, it, I don't know if they're good enough to uh, necessarily take on a Colorado team, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, Winnipeg. that's going to be key as well for the Winnipeg Jets. You get to the first, get to the central, win the division. Yeah, you avoid Dallas and Colorado in that first round. And uh, number one uh, goes without saying the Vancouver Canucks, seventy six points. Uh, they're out east right now. Uh, winning last night in Washington, uh, six one and th- six one and three over their last ten. Uh, this team through fifty three games is one point behind their pace that they had in twenty eleven when they went to the Stanley Cup final. Is this version of the Vancouver Canucks better than the twenty eleven Vancouver Canucks? Uh, I pulled up the twenty eleven Vancouver Canucks stats here. Daniel Sedin led their team with one hundred and four points. Henrik Sedin with uh, came in second, ninety four. But uh, right now, it, it feels like that the current iteration of the Vancouver Canucks have even more firepower than uh, than what that. That's what that, I mean. They have the firepower this time. They don't, maybe don't have the grittiness that they had in twenty eleven. You know, with sure. BX, uh, Burroughs, Kessler. They may not have it with those guys. I guess you throw in. Uh, uh, Lafreniere, or not? Who was it? Uh, Maxim Lapierre, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, like, there was a, there was some guys on that team that you just you know you don't even mention to Calgary fans. They drove you up a damn wall. But uh, statistically, they're offensively better 
And and maybe Demko better than Luongo? I, maybe this season, sure. I'm not sure if you want to go not down the Not all time, just yeah, saying exactly. in, just in, in, in a season. Yeah, I mean, like, Demko's going to be in the consideration for, for a Vesna Trophy this season. So I, I think they got the, the, the... We all know what type of firepower they have. Quinn Hughes is playing is, is the best season he's ever had. That heroic deal, I know that that trade always gets gets thrown around as what a success that has it been. last year. And, but it's it turned out to be, to be a huge <laughs> success for, for the Vancouver Canucks. So I, I, I would say, are, are they better than the 10-11 the team? It, it's hard to compare eras, especially when it's like, that season was yep. over 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, th- this team is is built to go on a run here, I think. I- I'm not sure why some people don't necessarily trust the Vancouver Canucks when it comes to the playoffs this year, but uh, I-, I think this is a team that 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 should go all in and, and make a real, real push at a Stanley Cup. Here. Again, uh, they don't have a first-round pick to use, but uh, they have some prospects uh, that they do like. Uh, we'll see whether or not the Canucks add some more ahead. Again, it could be a sign-out free agent. It could be Phil Kessel, maybe the ad for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, there's your Woe Canada Power Rankings. Vancouver number one, Jets two, Oilers three, Flames four, Leafs five, Habs six, Senators seven. Around the corner, David Peñota, editor-in-chief at the fourth period. We're going to talk some rumors. He's next, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome back. Big show hour four live from the Doug Lazy's Basement Systems downtown studio uh just under a month now to the nhl trade deadline lots of moving parts still to get figured out we go down the atlas pizza sports bar guest hotline we're joined by david Pagnota, editor-in-chief at the fourth period and a host over at sirius xm nhl network radio david thanks so much for taking some time out of your morning and chatting some hockey with me absolutely how you doing i'm good how are you enjoy the game last night yeah, well, San Fran lost, so I'm happy about oh, there that. There you go. So. You, uh, you're a Cowboys fan, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that makes that makes a total sense. Yeah, and I'm a Packers fan, Wild. so I think we're in agreement that we're, we're happy the Niners are are gone and lost. Uh, anyways, we'll get to the hockey yeah. here. <laughs> uh, your thoughts Saturday night? Morgan Riley takes a shot there at Ridley Gregg. Ridley Gregg puts the slapper into the empty net. Uh, Riley's meeting with the play, uh, Department of Player Safety tomorrow afternoon. Uh, can face up to a six-game suspension or longer uh, because it's in person. But uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, as the Battle of Ontario kind of reignited there on Saturday night? It needed something. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, been, it's been dim for a little while, but um, that, that'll certainly spark things up for next season, I'm sure. Um, look, I, 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 I don't have much of an issue with what happened on either side. Um, I, I don't have an issue with clearly Greg was trying to send a jab back and a shot back to the Leafs for whatever reason. Um, and, and under those circumstances, I understand it. I don't have much of an issue with probably shouldn't have done it, but I mean, the fact that he did it, I, I don't have much of an issue, but you need to be prepared. You have to accept the fact that Leafs are probably going to get ticked off by what you did. So be prepared to, to get some type of face, some type of retaliation. At the same time, conversely, I, I, I don't have an issue with Morgan Riley going after him. Um, my issue is the stick to the face. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, and, and that's the biggest issue. Now, had he got him in the shoulder or got him in the ribs or just punched him, jumped him entirely, yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> um, probably would have gotten a hearing anyway uh, or, or at least at the very least a fine. Um, but it's... It's part of the game. This is just what it is. So you got to accept that. And uh, for, for Greg, again, it was something he did on purpose to send a jab back at the other team. Oh, yeah. And you got to accept the fact that 
the team's probably going to be upset by it, and you're going to get jumped in some fashion or at least have to face off in some fashion. So that's just the nature of the beast. It's the way it is. My, again, my issue is the fact that Riley got him right in the face with, with the stick. You can't do that. I understand you want to go after him. I understand you want to try to send a message and encourage your team for the rest of the week. They've got, I think, four games at home coming up mm-hmm. starting tomorrow against St. Louis. You, you need some points. You've got to rally your team, but you have to be responsible for your stick. And because of that, would it shock – like, before the, the announcement came out that he was having it in person, I thought he was going to get around three games. Mm-hmm. Now that there's the option to go six-plus, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, first of all, the consistency of the inconsistency <laughs> of the player uh, Department of Player Safety is, is always at a nice high. Um, so this could go either way. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this ends up being a, a pretty significant one for Riley. Um, but again, the, the circumstances that, that led to all of it, I don't have an issue with the nature of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're uh, in agreement there. We're just not a fan of, of Riley after the play. Because I, I go back, there was a video floating around on Reddit like yesterday. Uh, Ryan Kessler did the same thing to the Calgary yep. Flames in 2014, and it was Dennis Weidman just feeding him body blows in the corner. And I think that right. I think that's what uh, I think everybody would have been a little bit more appreciative of. But yeah, nonetheless, Leafs gonna be without their best defenseman uh, potentially for a, a little bit here. Uh, the Flames and Devils, uh, according to Elliot Freeman, they had a, a little bit of a meet there ahead of their game on Thursday, talking about Jacob Markstrom. I know Elliot kind of expanded onto it a little bit more this morning with 32 Thoughts. How? they like the package, but maybe the Flames weren't so down with retaining money. Uh, and this seems like the mm-hmm. Devils could be moving on uh, from the Markstrom party. It could They could come back as well. But just where do you think uh, this whole Markstrom deal is going to end up going? Is this just seems like it's, it's destined to be done in the summertime? It'll certainly, I, I can, I can imagine be revisited in the summer if it doesn't happen by the deadline. And, and, you know, I wrote about it on Friday, uh, like the, the, the pieces that are there uh, and the interest levels that are there, things have escalated. My understanding is Markstrom would not stand in the way of a trade to New Jersey. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some interest in Alex Holtz from the Flames as, as part of this. Now, whether he is part of that package or not, I, I'm not sure. I just know he's a player of interest. Um, and, and from what I'm led to believe, I don't think it's dead in the water just yet. I think this will be something that will pick up again between the two clubs. I think they're taking a bit of a pause, mm. take a breather, try to regroup. I, I do expect those conversations to continue in some fashion between now and the deadline. But if it doesn't get to that point, because New Jersey is going to explore alternative options, and I think more short-term options. Um, right now, Kakinen in, in, in San Jose, I think, is a player of interest. And he's on an expiring contract, so they could shift in that direction, go short-term, and then revisit these talks in um, in, in the off season, but I, I don't, I, 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 look, there's mutual interest clearly. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just a matter of making the whole package work and, and obviously the dollars work. Now I think Vanacek would be part of this. If it does get to mm-hmm. some type of finality to help offset the dollars. Um, and, and that might be part of the whole or part of the, 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 the holdup here is trying to make some of the money work. I don't know. Initially, Calgary wasn't interested in retaining anything on the deal. I don't suspect that's changed much, um, but having Vanacek come in there with another year on his contract, that might be playing a bit of a a role in some of these things, some of these discussions, excuse me. 
How careful should this Flames team be with with playing Chris Tanev, you think, right now? This is a guy that's obviously playing a ton of ice time every night. We, we saw in New Jersey, left the ice twice. Uh, he's out. He's, he's going to give you 100% all night, and obviously you don't want to tell the guy to not go 100%, but it's also you're doing maybe the team and himself a detriment when you're not playing him as well. You want him healthy for the best possible package. How do you think this whole Chris Tanev thing is going to play? Do you think he's just going to keep playing until the trade deadline? I think at some point they're going to quote unquote protect the asset. I think that's the term now that's, that's, yeah. that's used often. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see kind of how this goes. Obviously, you got the Rangers tonight, and then you got a couple of days off. If he if he plays if he plays today, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you got I think four four or five games at home. Yeah, uh, coming up, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point within that homestand we start to see the uh, the protecting of the asset term being being used because i mean yes you're right i mean from an injury perspective and, and he is going to go and give you 110 percent day in and day out um but if you're if you're committed to moving the asset moving the player then at some point you're going to have to do that and we saw this happen before we saw this happen last season with jacob chikrin he sat mm-hmm. out multiple games before he was ultimately moved um there were a few others i think lilgren uh excuse me not lilgren um uh tyson berry in nashville Right. Well, there's, yeah, there's Barry, there's a couple others that that are going to be in that position. So um, it it wouldn't surprise me to see something happen in the next week Mm -hmm. with respect to him being sat out. And and you know what? The same, same with respect to Noah Hannafin. If they can't figure things out here um, from a contract perspective, there's a ton of interest in him as well. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's a a combo situation here. We think Hannafin and Tanev move here in the next, couple weeks here before the deadline like they want to get this done ahead of march 8th it sounds like it yeah. i know there are other teams that would love for that to happen mm-hmm. uh, like philly's holding on to sean walker and they're kind of waiting for calgary to make the first move and calgary's kind of waiting for philly uh what's going to happen with with walker's situation and what type of return they get there so and, and the ask for walker is a first round pick i don't know if it'll get to that point but both teams are kind of playing chicken with one another to see who kind of moves first here um, with this with this trade market, but I do suspect in the next week or two that one of these guys will be dealt, uh, and that'll get the ball rolling from the defensive market perspective. The, how is the market? It just it feels kind of odd, but also like super interesting. Like there's not a ton of sellers because you got teams like Buffalo who want to add potentially like move some of their young pieces out to get older. Ottawa is the same vein as they've showed interesting in Chris Tanev as they try and make over and get more veterans in the lineup. Like there are names out there. And I think, you know, there are rentals like Tarasenko's a rental, Duclair, Henrique, obviously the Flames guys in Tanefin, uh, or sorry, T- uh, Tanev, Hannafin, not so much a rental, but then there's Eberly and whatnot. Like how is the market in yeah. what you're reading right now? It's it, it, interesting is a great way of putting it because, Yes, you've got a ton of guys that are on expiring deals that are going to be talked about, but there are a lot of players with term on their deals as well that are part of part of the, the discussion board and, or or controllable. Like you know what came out over the weekend with respect to Casey Middlestat in Buffalo. You mentioned the Sabers; he's very much available. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a talent for talent type of swap with with the Buffalo Sabers. He's a he's a restricted free agent. He's got Arbrights. Um, he leads the team in scoring with 42 points, I think. Um, but it sounds like it's, it's a willingness to explore alternative options and trying to uh, reinforce the rest of the, the, the roster. So if you're going to move him out, you want to bring in somebody that's, that's 
A, of, of similar talent, and B, controllable and, and or have term. Um, so that's one player. Uh, I keep mentioning Colton Pareko, Tory Krug, part of that mix. Both of those guys in St. Louis have no trade clauses, full no trade clauses. Um, but the Blues continue to have discussions with teams about both of those guys. Uh, and they have considerable amount of term left, left on their contracts, both at $6.5 million cap hits. So there's a lot of different pieces that are out there that teams are looking at and kind of weighing the pros and cons. Do we try to get a short-term fix? Actually, just very similar to what New Jersey is doing right now with respect to Markstrom. Do we go for the short-term fix or do we bite the bullet in a good way and, and try to make this happen now? And, and get somebody with term and do an impact move now. So as much as you have, you know, the Henriques and the Eberleys and Alex Wenberg add into the mix in terms of center positioning on an expiring deal, um, you've got a lot of different pieces that are out there. And then you've got guys with term, guys with one year left on their deal, like David Savard in Montreal, uh, Joel Armia as well in Montreal. Like there are some create, there, there, there are some teams that are trying to be creative in how they approach this deadline and not necessarily just strictly go after guys that are on expiring deals. We're talking with David Pagnota, editor-in-chief over at the fourth period, and as well Sirius XM NHL Network radio host. New York Rangers, they're the Flames' opponent tonight. How much is uh, Cap uh, Caco in play as they try and, you know, the Rangers are a good team here, but they want to try and add to this team. Is Caco a guy that they could move? Yeah, in lieu of, of kind of their first-round pick yeah. um, be, being moved, I mean, he's the guy that they're kind of dangling right now um, and to, to try to entice teams to make something happen. But in this case, I mean, this isn't a rental play. No, I would be very surprised if it is. This is, this is a guy that you're going to end up bringing in that has term, and you're utilizing Kako as, as one of your primary assets uh, as, as part of a package to move. So whether it's a guy like, you know, Frank Vetrano, for example, in Anaheim, we know the Rangers have interest in him to add to their offense. He's not a center, but um, is a guy to kind of help solidify their goaltending, mar- uh, excuse me, their, their goal scoring market. Um, that's, that's a potential area to look at. I suspect they'd want someone with more term. Vetrano has one year left after this year, but if they feel that this is going to help push them over the edge, if they look for a center, whether it's Henrik, Wenberg, or, or another piece, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of something like that kind of come into play. Uh, for, for Chris Drury and, and the Rangers. They're looking, they're exploring, um, they, they want to make a splash here, and, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him as a primary piece um, for, for a deal with somebody with term. Jake Gensel might be the biggest name uh, we think available. I know Hannafin could probably get thrown in there as well, but Jake Gensel might be the, the of the forward groups of the biggest name. I, yeah. Will the Penguins, do you think they'll move on from him? And if so, do the Edmonton Oilers make the most sense? Uh, I don't know how they fit that financially mm. um, unless unless Pittsburgh is A, eating half, and then B, taking back a contract as well. Um, but they're not there yet. I mean, Pittsburgh is, is pretty focused on, um, on, on pushing for, for the playoffs. I mean, they're right there in the thick of things in the wild card race. They floundered a little bit recently. Um, but, you know, they're, they're seven points back, but they've got some games in hand. And they still feel like they can push. So I think from Gensel's side of things with, with, with the Penguins, I think it's more of a, this might be a last-minute type of decision that they end up making. This may be a scenario where it's the week leading into deadline or the week of the trade deadline um, in March, and the Penguins will then evaluate at that point and say, okay, where are we realistically? And do we feel keeping him 
and maybe making some other moves elsewhere. Riley Smith's name is out there as they try to look at, at a potential lateral move, move him out, and then bring somebody else in to replace him because the fit just hasn't been there. Um, but for the Penguins and Gensel, they, I think they're going to push this one to the wire. To, unless somebody totally blows their mm-hmm. socks off with an offer now, um, I, I think this is going to be a scenario that could be dealt with closer to the deadline if it, if it does go down. The, 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 one of the primary factors here is his relationship with Sidney Crosby. Mm. And you want to keep them. I mean, they're tight on and off the ice. They click very well on it. Um, and you want to try to keep Sid as happy as he can be over the next couple of years before his contract expires and potentially hangs him up. So that's the other deciding factor from Pittsburgh's perspective, from Gensel's. He wants an eight-year extension. He wants to know if this team is going to be competitive over the stretch of the eight years, not just the next one or two seasons after this. So there's a lot of catch-22 tied to this, um, but I, I think the Penguins will wait till closer to the deadline before deciding what to do with Gensel. On the Oilers' side of things, what would make, because we're thinking like a depth scoring piece would make the most sense, maybe a backup goaltender as well, but who would be some names? Is Jordan Everly a name that could be reunited uh, back in Edmonton? Is that mm-hmm. a possibility there for, for the Oilers? They've poked. They've definitely poked yeah. around with, with Seattle on, on his availability. The other discussion point they've been having with Philadelphia, and these conversations have been kind of ongoing for a good chunk of the season, they've escalated in the last week or so. Uh, Scott Lawton and Sean Walker are two Ooh. players that, that the Oilers have interest in. Um, Walker is a pending UFA, and Lawton has a couple more years left on his contract at a $3 million clip. Mm-hmm. That's not bad for, no. his, for, for what he brings, and he's versatile. He can play the center. He can play the wing. Um, he's that third-line kind of asset that, that you look at. And when you look at championship-caliber teams, and I'll use the Oilers here as an example, although they ship these guys out, when Los Angeles – started to climb um, around, well, they won in 2012. So right before that, they made a pretty impactful trade a couple of years prior with the Oilers, bringing in Jared Stoll Mm -hmm. and Matt Green. And those guys not only contributed effectively on the ice, they were great guys in the room. And Walker and Lawton bring those types of elements and intangibles with them. And for a team like the Oilers that is obviously stacked offensively, and yeah, they want to add a little bit more, but having those intangible pieces is something that Kenny Holland is exploring right now. And I wouldn't be overly shocked if we see something along those lines transpire. I know they've talked about it. Whether that escalates in the next couple of weeks, obviously we'll have to wait and see. But that's the type of move that mm-hmm. championship-caliber teams do. And you bring these, these depth pieces, but quality depth, a third-line piece. And, and you know, you're looking at a number four-type defenseman in Walker. Um, and that pushes their, their – their guys down a little bit, so you deepen the blue line. That's the type of move that I think if they can't get somebody offensive, I think that's the direction they, they wouldn't mind going in, and that could pay dividends. And I don't think that would cost them all that much, really. Well, it'd be a little bit The pricey. first, the I mean, first uh, would probably, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking at a first-round pick um, as, as, part of the, as part of the equation, and then is it a Broberg added to yeah. it? Um, you know, is there... Here's the other thing that and this could complicate matters, certainly, um, but also benefit the Oilers in a different light. My understanding is Philadelphia is willing to take on Jack Campbell. Mm. Uh, they want to be compensated for it yeah. a little bit, um, and it makes it more palatable from the Oilers' perspective to give up a first and Groberg if you're getting those other pieces into it. Um, but that would be something that, even with Cal Peterson on the roster, and he's got another year left on his deal, might be a buyout candidate in the summer. 
my understanding is Philly would be willing to, to go in that direction. So a lot of moving parts, but I, I think that there's something there if they can kind of put their heads together. LA Kings, they've won two in a row uh, coming out of the firing of Todd McClellan. Jim Hiller's taken over. They beat the Oilers uh, on Saturday night. Uh, this is a team that's still, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. Is this a, is this a team that, that is wanting to make? I know they're, they're, they're kind of in cap hell, but what, what are their plans for, for the deadline? And, and how much of Jim Hiller's success is tied to Rob Blake's future? Well, Blake's got another year on his contract after this season. So, I mean, that'll certainly play a factor. I think they want to see how Hiller does and how the Kings perform before deciding who their full-time coach is going to be beyond this year. Um, he's, he's got the interim tag for the time being. So we, we want to see kind of, they want to see, excuse me, where things are going um, in, in that respect. Ahead of the deadline, unless this is another scenario where they got to get really creative, but unless they do that, um, Victor Arvidsson is coming back from injury at some yes. point this month. Uh, that's basically how they view their acquisition. Mm-hmm. That's the that's their added piece. He hasn't been here all season. He's coming back from back surgery. Um, that could really stabilize their third line, especially, and, and maybe even give a jolt to the second or, or, or even first. But now you're giving a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's been better of late and scored against the Oilers on Saturday. Um, you give him a winger that can contribute offensively. And that kind of, that may spark things a little bit overall for, for this group. And that's one of the things that I think the Kings going into the season were hoping when they got Dubois was that you've got not only three legit guys up the middle in him, Kopitar, and Deneau, but now you've got three lines that could provide some stable offense too. But then Arvidsson had to have the back surgery and all that stuff. So um, I, I think they're going to view it as that's their addition. They don't have cap space. They're saving it to bring him back into the lineup. Outside of that, there were some rumblings with respect to potentially listening on Matt Roy, who's a UFA at the end of the season. He's got a cap hit just over $3 million. I don't think they're going to sell him off. If they do something, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a lateral-type move. You move him out, and you bring in a defenseman with term. Outside of that, I think, and I still think that's a long shot, outside of that, I think they're going to stick with what they've got internally, get Arvidsson back in the lineup, and just kind of roll with what they've got. David, thank you so much uh, for chatting some uh, NHL rumors with me. We've got uh, less than a month to go, and we'll be doing it all again. Hopefully uh, well, hopefully the deadline is busy, but I'm sure it's going to get really busy here over the next three weeks. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks so much. There you go. David Pagnota, uh, Editor-in-Chief over at the fourth period and uh, SiriusXM NHL Network Radio host. That'll do it for us. It's Calgary Flames game day. Uh, we'll be on the air at 4 o'clock. Uh, with your Flames Talk pregame, 5 o'clock puck drop, a little bit after 5 uh, with Derek and Megan, live from Madison Square Garden. It's the Flames and the Rangers as they look for uh, five in a row and four straight on this Eastern U.S. road trip. Uh, Jeff Merrick shows up next. He'll have Elliot Friedman. I'm sure they'll kind of talk some more Flames as that they were a big topic on their latest 32 Thoughts pod. Uh, 1035, Jason York. Uh, lots on the Ottawa Senators. He'll have his opinion on the uh, Riley Gregg uh, fiasco. Uh, David Amber joins the show at 11, and then Eric Francis uh, at 1135 talking some Calgary Flames. Uh, that's next. Uh, thank you to GBP for making us sound oh so good. And it is Calgary Flames game day. Flames and Rangers coming your way at 5 o'clock. Keep it locked right here. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.